Unplugged In podcast, a new project from the Institute for Energy Research. To find out more about our work, visit our website at instituteforenergyresearch.org. Welcome to the Plugged In podcast. I'm Jordan McGillis. And I'm Alex Stevens. Today we'll be joined by Todd Myers of the Washington Policy Center to discuss the Washington State Ballot Initiative to introduce a carbon tax. Initiative 1631 would impose a tax of $15 per metric ton of carbon dioxide in the state of Washington. Taxpayers would see the cost of this initiative primarily at the gas pump, in their home heating costs, and on their electricity bills. The $15 tax would translate to about an additional $300 in energy costs for the average household over the course of the first year. But with the tax slated to increase to over $40 over the course of the next decade, Washington citizens can expect their burden to grow to around $800 per year. And now joining us is the aforementioned Todd Myers. Myers is the director of the Center for the Environment at the Washington Policy Center. He has been a Wall Street Journal expert panelist for energy and the environment, and he's the author of the landmark 2011 book, Eco Fads, How the Rise of Trendy Environmentalism is Harming the Environment. Todd, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So the first thing that, that we'd like to hear about is the history in the state of Washington of various carbon tax initiatives. We know we saw the 2016 ballot initiative, and then um, Governor Jay Inslee made a push this year. What's been the trajectory? What's changed? What remains the same? So just over the last decade, um, we have tried to have a carbon tax of some kind or another for the last decade. In 2008 or nine, we had a cap-and-trade system that was very close to passing when the Democrats controlled both chambers and the governor's mansion, um, and that failed. Um, and when Jay Inslee was elected governor in 2012, he promised um, to make climate change his number one issue, and he actually wrote a book about it. But he hasn't had any success, um, despite the fact that he's had um, at least one chamber and now both chambers of the legislature um, controlled by his party. Um, so it's been turned down, and it was turned down um, earlier this year, his plan. He also tried to pass what he called his clean air rule, which would have essentially been a cap-and-trade system. But a judge uh, struck that down, saying that the legislature had to authorize it, and, and they hadn't, obviously. He actually opposed, the governor actually opposed Initiative 732, which was the revenue-neutral carbon tax that was two years ago, um, which would have increased um, the cost of CO2 uh, to $25 a metric ton, and then it would have gone up. But it would have cut our sales tax by one percentage point and then other business taxes. He opposed that because it didn't increase the size of government. Um, so now he's come back, uh, and the environmental community have come back with 1631. And as you said, it starts at $15 a metric ton, which is about 14 cents a gallon of gas, and then goes up $2 a metric ton plus inflation every year. So that's how you get to over $40 a metric ton and in the high 30s in terms of cost per gallon of gas. Um, for a state that already has, uh, if not the highest, one of the highest gas taxes in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding 732, the, the 2016 initiative, was Governor Inslee outspoken in, in his opposition, and the, did that influence uh, voters, do you think? He was, and in fact, the environmental community actually spent money against uh, Initiative 732, so they they campaigned against it. They didn't spend tens of millions of dollars, but they did spend time and money, and um, Governor Inslee, along with others um, in the environmental community, opposed it. I think the uh, like the Seattle Times ed- editorialized against it as well, so there was like a weird confluence of groups that you would think would be supporting something like this who were, uh, were all coming out against it. Yeah, what's interesting is is that a number of the newspapers 
um, editorialized against it, and some of those same ones have now editorialized in favor of 1631, um, despite the fact that I think that 1631 is ultimately going to be much more expensive, um, and um, it has a really uh, goofy system to uh, spend the money. It's a tax increase. Um, and they have a 15-member board. Uh, 14 of the members uh, are not elected. Only one of the members is actually elected. So it's, I, this is a far worse proposal than the one two years ago, um, and yet for some reason um, uh, newspapers are finding this one acceptable where they oppose the other one. Let's talk more about the, the boards. That's one of the most frightening elements of this proposal. Uh, as described in your policy brief, there, it sounds like there are a couple of tiers of boards, none of which are particularly accountable to the electorate. Right. <laughs> well, so the over there's a one sort of the top level board, which is 15 members, um, and there's only one member that's elected, and that's um, we we elect a position called Commissioner of Public Lands in Washington State statewide. And then the other 14 are all appointed by the governor. There are four of them are heads of agencies, and and 10 others are uh, members of specific um, groups. Um, there are also subgroups um, uh, looking at how the money is spent, and one of the subgroups is called the Environmental and Economic Justice Panel, and they actually are made up of uh, – it's co-chaired by a member of uh, one of the Washington State tribes and a member of the environmental community, so they, they stack the deck. And what's interesting about that is that there's actually a line in the initiative that says that members of the our environmental and economic justice panel can actually receive grants from that panel, so they can vote themselves money if they want to. That sounds unsavory, if you ask me. Um, yes, it's, yeah, it's clearly an, an invitation. I mean, they went out of their way to make that clear that they could do that. So it's an invitation to, um, you know, I think potential corruption. Let's talk about how ballot initiatives work in your state. Um, how did this come to be on the ballot? Is it a certain number of signatures that you need to get, or how does that work, and, and who proposed this particular plan? Yeah, that's that's correct. And so you have to go and collect um, um, the number of signatures based on the total turnout of the election in the previous election. Um, and then if you get that number, then it goes straight to the voters in that year. There's obviously a deadline, and that deadline was um, in June or July. I can't remember right now. but um, So they collected the requisite number of signatures, and it'll go straight to the voters. And tying this back to 2016, is there a, a stronger environmental coalition behind this plan as opposed to the plan a couple of years ago? Well, so what's interesting is a couple of years ago, the group that put the initiative together was led by an environmental economist and other folks who were sort of loosely associated with the environmental community. But the environmental community actually fought it every step of the way, and there was even an instance when um, 732 was turning in its, its uh, signatures, that two days before they were supposed to turn in their signatures, the environmental community came to them and said, look, if you throw away all your signatures, we'll pay you a million dollars for other efforts that you would like. Um, so oh, they so actually tried some, to bribe them to throw away the signatures. Alex, what do you think about that, that process? Oh. I'd be interested in hearing uh, Todd's perspective on carbon taxes just in general. Um, that revenue neutral proposal, was that something that you were in favor of? Or what, what are your views on just sort of the, the ideal legislation there? It had, or what it people had would call the ideal my, legislation, it, I guess. Yeah, it had its pluses and minuses, to be sure. Um, on the plus side, it was, it was revenue neutral. Um, it actually ended up as sort of a slight tax cut. Um, because the sales tax, sales tax, we don't have an income tax in Washington State, so cutting sales taxes was um, 
really pretty significant, um, and then the various business taxes. So the state actually um, saw it as a tax cut when they scored it. The problem uh, was that it's very difficult to get it so that everybody starts at revenue neutral. So some industries actually would see their taxes go up fairly significantly, um, and other households, mostly households, would see their taxes go down. So that was the concern, is, is that you don't want to create a tax that ends up pushing industries out of Washington State because you adopt a big energy tax. Um, so that was, a, that was a problem with it. Um, you know, I also think that um, I, you know, just a, putting a simple price is a lot better than regulation. In Washington State, we have a lot of really wasteful government spending and regulation. And if we could shift away from that to a price, it would be better. Now, of course, 732 didn't do that. It didn't get rid of the existing regulation. It just uh, added another system on top of that. Um, what I would prefer to do and what the work that we've been doing now is to try to find technology and innovation so that we can make the most of existing price signals because energy costs money. Nobody wants to waste um, energy because nobody wants to waste money. Um, and there are lots of new techniques and technologies that don't require um, in increasing taxes but can reduce um, energy use and make people more energy efficient um, uh, with the way the prices are right now. Can you tell us more about how the board will allocate the funds that uh, come to it through this tax, perhaps? So they are instructed by law in, in the initiative to allocate them in three different ways. First, 70% of the money is supposed to go to um, projects that reduce carbon emissions. Um, but the, pro the problem is, is that there are no metrics for success. In other words, they don't say you have to – the projects you choose have to achieve these results. Um, they simply can choose whatever projects they want. Um, and ironically, if there are targets that they have to, to make – um, in 2035 and 2050, and ironically, if they don't meet those targets, the taxes actually increase. So if they fail to reach the targets, they are rewarded with more money. So there's actually a perverse incentive in the initiative that rather than taking power away from them when they fail, they are rewarded with more money and power when they fail. Uh, the, the second bucket is about 25%. It would go to projects that um, are supposed to promote healthy forests um, and clean water. Um, and my experience with the environmental community and some of the folks who were on the panel is that the projects they choose don't actually do much for healthy forests. Um, it's nice that they're talking about that. The environmental community never used to talk about healthy forests. So that's a, I think that's an absolute step in the right direction. But I'm still skeptical about how effective they will be. And then the last 5% is controlled by the Environmental and Economic Justice Panel that I mentioned, which is supposed to go to, you know, disproportionately impacted communities, but really means, you know, anybody that they see fit to favor with uh, grants, and that's going to be a lot of left-wing social justice groups. Mm -hmm. In your policy brief, you mentioned an eventual prohibition of third-party CO2 reduction projects. Yeah. What does that mean exactly? So right now, if I wanted to, I could uh, invest in projects that reduce CO2 emissions. Um, so for instance, I could you know, contribute to a methane digester at a, at a dairy farm, which captures the methane and, and turns it into electricity. Uh, landfills do this uh, right now. Is that, uh, a lot of landfills will capture the methane that comes off the landfill and then recycle it for the electricity to power the landfill's operations. And so there are projects like that, and projects that cost about 2 to $3 a metric ton um, of CO2, which is pretty cheap. 
um, the initiative, ironically, actually bans those and only only allows them to be about 10% of the total um, carbon reductions, and then eventually bans them uh, entirely. Um, and this is really ridiculous. If you care about CO2 emissions, you want to find the way to get the most bang for your environmental buck. And the irony is, is that if a private organization went out and said, here's a methane digester, you know, $3 a metric ton, and you can invest in it, um, the initiative would say, no, that's not allowed. If, however, somebody applied for a grant from the state and the, and the state paid for it, that would be allowed. So literally the identical project would be allowed, but only if the state paid for it, not if individuals paid for it. Um, so that is, it's really a bizarre part of the initiative. And I think it sort of goes to the mindset of the environmental community, which is that sacrifice and pain is part of the proof that you're helping the environment. Effectiveness, These interestingly, can't go or not. Hand hand, yeah. it's, that's shocking, and it's, it's tragic to think about that, that this initiative would usurp so much control that should be in the private sphere and, and assert that control from the, from the government seat of power. That's troubling. And it's, and it's not even that it, that it would do that. It's that that trumps environmental effectiveness. Mm -hmm. that, that rather than do things that actually achieve the goal they claim they want, rather than do the things that are most effective, they say, no, let's not do the things that are most effective. Let's do the things that give government the most power. And that was why they opposed 732 two years ago. And that's why they have banned um, private, more effective, more efficient efforts that would lower the cost of this. Um, rather than, um, you know, uh, trying to seek those out, which is what you would really do if you cared about the environment. That really puts into to stark relief the, the sort of mindset that you're dealing with, um, yeah. with these 1631 advocates. It's why I drink. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of good breweries up there in the Evergreen State these days. That's right. <laughs> I never put that together, but maybe that's part of the reason why. That's right. Um, Alex, what haven't we talked about yet that we should cover? Maybe just the tools that the proponents of this bill have used sort of, I don't want to say to mislead people on it, but um, I read about, there you was can a, say that. There, well, there was an organization that uh, tweeted that, you know, we should be calling it a fee and not a tax because we don't want people to hear the, the T word. Um, yeah. I guess, yeah, can you just talk about that stuff? I, I found that interesting, just sort of the, the politics of it. Yeah. So, so the ballot title is very favorable uh, to the yes side, which says that it is a pollution fee. And in Washington state law, a fee is defined as um, any amount that is collected to pay for um, you know, what, it's, what it's covering. So for instance, um, you know, tolls on a road, like if you build a new bridge and you pay, a, you pay a toll, that's a fee because the money collected goes to pay off the bridge. And so what they have said is that this is not a, this is not a carbon tax, this is a pollution fee because the fee is going to pay off um, you know, reducing the impacts and the causes of climate change. But of course, if you actually look at it, what you find is, is that the um, rules that are cited in the initiative are the exact same rules that apply to the gas tax. Um, so they use the same uh, uh, legislation or the so same regulation as they do for a gas tax. The other, other issue is that uh, if I'm an average driver, it doesn't matter whether I'm paying 14 cents or 40 cents more a gallon uh, because it's a fee or 14 or 40 cents more a gallon because it's a tax. It's still 14 or you know, 40 cents more a gallon. 
and what all of the uh, economics, uh, economic analysis say is that all of the fee will be passed on to consumers. So Washington State University and Cal Berkeley did a study to say, okay, if you raise gas taxes by or uh, price of gas by one cent, how much get passed on to the consumer? And the answer is 1.01 cents. So 100% will be passed along. Um, so a, a lot of this is just a game, and you will actually see them from time to time claim that the fee means that they don't pay the tax or they don't pay the price, but that's simply uh, not true, and, and uh, all of the economic analysis say that, yeah, actually families will end up paying 100% of that tax paid on to, or uh, cost paid on to, uh, passed on to them. Let's say it does pass. On this fee versus tax issue, is there a potential legal challenge that could come? So it's interesting that you say that because there is a clause in the initiative. It's literally the last clause in the initiative that says um, if a judge rules that this is in fact a tax and not a fee, the tax is exempt from requirements um, that Washington State has for reporting for tax preferences because the tax is not applied um, equally. It's applied specifically to certain sectors. Um, Washington says, okay, you have to be able to show that it's effective. And the initiative uh, takes that into account and says, if in fact this ends up being a tax, we don't have to show that it's effective in achieving the goals. So they really have gone out of their way to make sure that any accountability, any metrics um, that they can hold the board accountable or um, the initiative accountable for success uh, have been eliminated. Well, they've had a lot of uh, experience with failure. So I think that they've you know, they've learned what they need to put in this thing, it sounds like. Practice makes perfect. Exactly. Uh, next question for you. We've talked a lot about the increase in the price of gasoline, and I mentioned home heating. Can you tell us about the electricity mix in Washington so that people understand why electricity isn't the first thing that, that we're talking about here as, as where the price would hit us? Yeah, we're very we, – we are very different from every other state in the union. Washington State – uh, more than 80% of our electricity comes from hydro and nuclear and then some uh, wind power. So Washington has the lowest CO2 emissions per megawatt hour of any state in the country. So it's not zero. We still have some natural gas. We still have some coal um, that we purchase, but uh, it's simply not very much. And so only about um, 15% of the total costs that people would pay are associated with electricity. The vast majority of it is associated with um, driving their car and heating their home. Got it. Next thing on my list, the exemptions for the trade exposed and energy intensive sectors. What are we looking at there? So uh, I actually think this is there is unfairness about this, but it's uh, but it's not entirely crazy. So. We have a couple of aluminum plants. We have other um, energy-intensive industries, um, concrete plant. We have uh, pulp and paper mills. And the problem is, is that they're very energy-intensive. So if you put a tax on them, um, it will drive their costs up significantly. And since they are exposed to international competition, the concern is they simply would close down. Um, we've had this in recent years. We've had one pulp and paper mill close down even without this tax. Um, two aluminum plants were idled um, a couple of years ago because aluminum prices fell. Um, so the state intervened and tried to uh, reduce their tax and regulatory burden, and they have reopened. But if you put this tax on them, you know they simply would close and the, the and the jobs 
um, and the production would move overseas or at least out of state. So they are exempted from the tax in order to prevent that. Todd, so correct. I think that's great. But the problem is is that it's unfair because what it shows is is that those who have the lobbyists are able to get the exemptions and the preferences. And you see throughout the initiative that there are preferences for all sorts of selected organizations. And I think that uh, those exemptions highlight that that's a real potential problem with this is, is that average families can't get themselves exempted, but people with lobbyists can. Todd, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think I remember reading recently that Washington State has one of the, the most uh, regressive tax structure, structures anywhere in the nation. Um, is it? Yes, that's that's so, true, and it's it's because we rely so heavily on sales taxes and um, what's called a business and occupation tax. It's a a profit tax, and so small businesses. Um, get hit even if they don't make a profit. Um, it's, it's a gross receipts tax. It's not a profit tax. And then sales taxes, of, of course, apply to everybody. There are some exemptions like food and other things like that. But yes, we don't have an income tax. Um, so the sales tax does hit people. And, and of course, an energy tax, you increase energy taxes, and that's uh, even more aggressive than a sales tax. Sure. Tangential point here. What's the latest on the Seattle head tax related to Amazon that we were hearing about? <laughs> well, that got uh, thrown out. So the Seattle City Council passed it. Um, Amazon and another uh, and other employers um, uh, rallied to put it. In, they were going to put a referendum on it and have the people of Seattle vote. Um, interestingly, it wasn't just Amazon. It was there's a Chinese grocer in town called Yuajamaya um, that also would have been hit by it. So people like to talk about Amazon because they have big pockets, but it would have hit uh, Chinese grocers as well. Anyway, they uh, had a referendum. They had gotten the signatures, and the city of Seattle realized that they were going to lose this vote, so they actually reversed themselves and overturned it uh, before it ever hit the ballot. Well, that sounds like a win. Yes, it was. It was a win. It was an embarrassing loss for the Seattle City Council as well. All right. I think that covers all of our bases here. Alex, anything left from you? Uh, is there any polling on on uh, this new carbon tax and like what what's the expected outcome for, for this? It's really hard to say. All, all of the polls that I have seen, uh, both uh, internal and external, show it r right at, you know, around 50 percent or high 40s. Um, so it's it's going to be right down to the wire. Um, so it's, it's hard to say. But one thing I want to point out is, is that um, the, the argument about energy efficiency, the argument about reducing environmental impact shouldn't just cam come down to should we have a carbon tax, should we have regulation? Because as I mentioned before, the work that I'm doing right now is showing that individuals, um, given the technology, are very good at finding ways to reduce their environmental impact, reduce how much resource they use, and save money. And that, if you look at the trends over time, that's where the real benefits come from. Um, they don't come from government programs, from waste, from politicians who choose very poorly about where to spend money. They choose based on what feels good, not what's effective, uh, which is what I think will happen with 1631. But individuals choose really good things because if they don't save money, they're going to change, and they're going to make sure that they save money and save resources. And for those of us who care about the environment, um, all of us, um, that's where we ought to put our focus is on giving people empowering people with technology and with the incentives to do more with less. Um, that's where the best ideas come from. And it doesn't have to sacrifice personal prosperity, personal freedom for the environment. Um, the best solutions combine personal prosperity, personal incentives with the environmental uh, protection. 
Todd Myers, the Washington Policy Center. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on.